begin the Brigita chapter 3, the yoga of action. This chapter is called the yoga of action. Does that mean join? Press. Yoga of action. As mentioned before, yoga does not only mean stretching, doing different postures. Nilam. Yoga is a word that is used to mean to reunite with the self. Just a recap. We as a human being is made up of the self, Atman, God principle, meaning the same thing, the spirit, plus the material layers, which is our body, mind, and intellect. We have forgotten about the Atman, the self. We've forgotten about the self within, and instead we identify only with the body, mind, intellect. So throughout life, we only cater to these three components of our personality. We've forgotten about the self. Then you come across this knowledge. And it helps you to fulfill the purpose of life, which is to reunite with the Atman, the self, to become one with the Atman. That's why we need, we need this knowledge. It gives you the knowledge of your true personality. You are not, I'm not this body, mind, intellect. I'm the self. And when we achieve this oneness, it is called self-realization. All these great saints, Krishna, Jesus, Swami Ramatita, Ramana Maharishi, Swami Tapavan, they're all self-realized souls. And plenty others, which we don't know about. So any attempt in life to get back to the self, the true personality, it is called yoga. The first chapter was called Yoga of Arjuna's Despondency which talked about how Arjuna collapsed, couldn't, couldn't function. Chapter two was called yoga of knowledge. So through knowledge and understanding, it helps us to reunite with the self. This chapter is now called yoga of action, meaning how to perform the right action in life to reunite with the self, Atman. So, why can't everyone just follow one path? Chapter two was the path of knowledge. Why do we need this path of action now? Anyone? Why do we need another path? 
Why do we need a second part, Vanita? Because um, everybody's personality is different and what you need to understand could be from a different perspective. So if it's not knowledge, it might be karma, gyan, yoga. So it's all different based on your personality. It can't, it can't be just one thing. Excellent. Yeah, great. Because we're all different. We all have different nature, different temperaments, different makeup. You know, they say every person's DNA is different. Not, no one's the same. Hence, we all play a different role in life based on our nature. You can't expect a plumber, electrician to become a professor of literature. Likewise, you can't expect a professor to suddenly become an electrician and a plumber. It goes against his nature. They may be able to do it, but it goes against their nature. We are all different. Hence, different paths are given in the Gita to cater to the different natures of people. Path of action, path of knowledge. Now, if you follow the path of action, ultimately you then end up to the path of knowledge anyway. So you need knowledge in order to understand what you are doing and why. Even if you're doing karma, you need to know why you're doing it. Any questions? So chapter three. Yoga of action. Arjuna was fighting a righteous war. But when he saw his friends and family, his gurus, his cousins on the battlefield, and he had to fight them, kill them. He couldn't do it. So it collapsed in the middle of the battlefield. Luckily, he had Lord Krishna, his friend and charioteer self-realized person who had then given him higher spiritual knowledge to try and get him out of that state. So this topic begins with Arjuna asking a question to Krishna. This shows that Arjuna is slowly coming out of his state, his despondent, hopeless state. And he's now somewhat thinking. And this is what Lord Krishna was waiting for. Arjuna to wake up. And he sees now woken up. So the Lord responds by teaching him the yoga of action. He spoon feeds him the knowledge and wisdom of the purpose and goal of life. Any questions? Okay. The topic one is six topics, 43 verses. Topic one is the introduction to the path of action. There's three verses. Verses one to three we're going to cover today. Arjuna uvacha jayasi chet karmanaste mata buddhir janadana that Kim Karmani Gore Mam Niyojayasike Sapa Arjuna Uvacha 
Jayasi Chitvarmanaste Mata Buddhir Janadana Tat Kim Karmani Gore Ma Niyo Jayasi Kesava Arjuna said, O Janadana, if you consider knowledge superior to action, why then do you, O Kesava, engage me in terrible action? Arjuna asked Krishna, Krishna, you told me that knowledge is the highest. Knowledge is superior to action. Then why are you encouraging me to fight? Why are you encouraging me to kill my friends and relatives? Why can't I just pursue the knowledge? It's a good question from Arjuna. And it shows that Arjuna is now slowly waking up and thinking. Why is Krishna telling Arjuna to fight and not pursue knowledge? Why is Krishna telling Arjuna? Think about it. We don't want everyone to think about it. Why is Krishna telling Arjuna to fight and not pursue knowledge? Kill? Because he's a warrior, so it's the right thing for him to do. Exactly. He's a warrior. There are two types of people an introverted person and an extroverted person. What is the difference? Introverted, extroverted. It's a simple question. What is the difference between the two? An introverted, extroverted. Neelam? Um, an extroverted is more likely to go out and take action and, you know, whereas an introverted person is more self-reflective, seeking knowledge. Absolutely. Introvert person in, is withdrawn is a thinker, is a contemplator. He can be on his own and he'll be fine. These spiritual books would probably have been written by introverts. There's no other way they could, these books can be written. So the path of knowledge is the right path for this kind of person. It suits his nature. An extrovert is the opposite. His thoughts are mostly towards the world. He needs to fulfill desires, do things, actions. He would find it difficult to sit and study and just be in one place. It goes against his nature. And Arjuna is an extrovert. Simple as that. Arjuna is a Kshatriya. Kshatriyas are warriors, man of action. Kshatriya's inherent nature is to fight, perform action. He can't sit and read a book and contemplate. It's against his nature. Therefore, the path of action is the right course for Arjuna. Path of knowledge is for more contemplative person, which Arjuna is not. Arjuna calls Krishna by two names, Kesava and Kesi. This is his Janadana. Oh, Janadana. He's calling him Janadana and Kesava. 
protector of people and killer of demons, both having a different meaning. This isn't relevant, but he's calling him both opposite words. It's like calling a doctor killer of disease and protector of patients. The Arjuna is still slightly, he's still coming out, he's slightly still confused, but it just shows his state of mind. Killer of demons, but protector of people. Any questions? So what you take out of this verse, two types of people, introvert, extrovert, action, knowledge for the two different people. Just take that from this first one. Vanita. Arjuna questions Krishna as to why he recommends this terrible action when he considers knowledge superior to action. The action refers to the fighting and killing of his own kinsmen many of whom he particularly revers. On the Gaurava's side is Bhishma, their great ancestor, who nobly renounced the kingdom for which they will be fighting. Drona, with their guru, taught them all their skills in archery and the science of warfare. Hosts of other respected relatives and friends fight in the Gaurava forces. To oppose and destroy them would, in Arjuna's opinion, be the most heinous sin. Also, Krishna has just spoken eloquently to Arjuna about the value and the virtue of knowledge. He therefore asks Krishna why he induces this atrocious action in preference to the pursuit of knowledge. Arjuna obviously does not understand the application of action and knowledge. Pursuit of knowledge may be superior to action, but the action remains superior from whom? A man of action needs to act. A con contemplative person naturally takes to study and reflection. These are two distinct types of people. An, action, an active person is not made for pursuit of knowledge, nor is a contemplative person designed for gross action. Arjuna does not seem to understand this distinction. Being a Shastriya, a warrior, a man of action, he needs the present righteous wolf for fulfilling his desires. One must live according to one's nature. The pursuit of knowledge would be totally incompatible with Arjuna's nature. Janadharna and Geshava are two names of Krishna. Janadharna literally means protector of people. Geshava implies killer of demon Gesi. The choice of two words with opposite connotations, protector and killer, seem to reflect Arjuna's confused state of mind. So Arjuna was a Kshatriya, as you said, a man of warrior. Also, he has a desire to resurrect Kurukshetra back to some normality. The Gauravas had taken over and he was, in a he was in a real bad place. He wanted to bring order. So he had a desire to bring, to bring that state back into, uh, into the Hastinapur, that's it, Hastinapur. He wanted to bring order. Also, he wanted to take his place back as the rulers. 
they'd been, you know, thrown out 14 years ago. So he had a desire to do that. So he had to fulfill that desire and the only way is to fight the war. Any questions? Verse two. Bhyamisve neva bhaktyena buddhim mohaya sivame tadekam vadanishchitya yena shreyoha muknuyam Bhyamisve neva bhaktyena buddhim mohaya sivame Tadekam Vadanishchitya Yena Sreyoha Muknuyam. With an apparently perplexing speech, you confuse, as it were, my understanding. Tell me with certainty that one way by which I may attain the highest. This is Arjuna speaking to Krishna. Arjuna does not know if he should perform action or gain knowledge. So he says to Krishna, Krishna, remember, Krishna is his friend. Arjuna only sees him as a friend. Hey, Krishna, I'm really confused. One minute you give me this long, perplexing speech about how knowledge is the highest. And next minute you're telling me to go and act and fight this war. What's going on? Just tell me straight, which path am I to take? that will take me to the highest state of perfection, to self-realization, action or knowledge. Because I'm really confused. The perplexing speech Arjuna is talking about is chapter two, over 50 verses. Krishna is talking about knowledge of the self. Our knowledge is the highest, the way to self-realization. And in the next breath, Krishna is advising Arjuna to perform action, fight the war. You can't blame Arjuna for feeling confused. Even we'd feel confused. You know, even if you go into a temple and you ask them, what shall I do? They will tell you, go and do this. No explanation, nothing. So a few points here. Arjuna is telling Krishna, tell me straight. Arjuna, Krishna, friends. Arjuna did not know Krishna had this knowledge, that Krishna was a self-realized person. Secondly, Arjuna was in a bad state. He didn't know what to do, which way to turn. So Krishna had to prove to Arjuna that he can help him. So how does he prove it? by giving him the highest knowledge. Bamboozle his intellect. Knowing full well that Arjuna would not understand a word of it. He did this to give Arjuna confidence in him, in Krishna. That he can have confidence that Krishna can help him. Also, he was waiting for Arjuna to get out of this terrible state he was in. And he achieved this since Arjuna is now awake. He's asking questions, which makes sense. 
Any questions? So are you all following me, yeah? When something bad happens to you, to us in life, we lose a loved one, we lose our job, or we become ill, depressed, we can't think clearly. We sort of become confused, all of us. What will I do now? What will happen to me? What happens? Our friends, close friends, relatives may come to us to console us, help us. They may say, look, it's not so bad. Let's look at the positive side. Give it a few months. All this will be over. Someone coming to this class may say indifferently, even this shall pass. <laughs> you know, from which perspective? It's not so bad. This will pass. Give it a few months. All this will be over. You have a responsibility to your family, etc., etc. I'm here for you. Let me know if I can be any help. So this helps us to become more positive, isn't it? Makes us think we're not alone. This is what Krishna was trying to do for Arjuna. I'm just putting it into perspective so you understand it. This is what Krishna was trying to do for Arjuna. I'm here for you, Arjuna. Don't worry. I'll, I'll get you through this. And now that Arjuna is asking Krishna, tell me which path am I supposed to take? Knowledge or action? Again, proves to Krishna that Arjuna is now awake. Also, you, all of you are now awake. You've been through chapter two and you think, wow, I didn't know this was in the Bhagavad Gita. I'm astonished. <laughs> I want to know more. Also, Arjuna is a soldier. What do soldiers need? What do soldiers need? Direct instruction. Go and fight. Go and kill. Go and bomb that bridge. They need instructions. The Arjuna responds to instructions. So from verse 3, Krishna starts his sermon. He spoon feeds Arjuna with, his, with this knowledge. Any questions? So. It's not a question, I suppose it's an observation of what you just said. So if we're thinking about, you know, how um, Arjuna feels that Lord Krishna is his friend and can guide him and support him through his most difficult time in his life, I suppose it's a subtle hint possibly to say that actually, you know, we may not have the right people in our lives that say the right thing or guide us correctly, um, but... Bhagavad Gita is almost the text to go to for guidance and support because if it can help Arjuna through the most difficult time of his life, then in relevant terms, it should be able to help us through our most, well, our any challenges that we face. Absolutely, absolutely. This, the Bhagavad Gita is like we call it the manual of life. Any issues you have in life, you pick up the Gita, 
You pick any verse and it'll talk to you. Try it. It'll talk to you. It'll give you clarity. It's amazing how it works. Pick any verse, no matter what your problems. It'll lift you up. That's the power of these scriptures. And now as you are going through the process of studying the Gita, you'll be even in a more better position. Any issues you have in your life, you all you have to do is grab the Gita. It'll take your focus away from any problems you're having. It'll divert your mind to something higher and your problems will be minuscule. And it'll give you the support to deal with your problem. You don't need anyone else. It gives you the strength to overcome whatever issues you're going through. That's the power. Any questions? Neil? Confused, Arjuna does not know if he should act or pursue knowledge. Krishna seems to advise both in one breath. Arjuna complains to Krishna, with your perplexing speech, you confuse, as it were, my understanding. He now seeks a definite answer as to which path to follow to the state of perfection. Perplexing speech refers to Krishna's sermon in chapter two. Arjuna uses the words, words as it were, since he has no reason to believe Krishna would confuse him. Krishna indeed starts with the subtlest philosophy of life. He expounds upon the indestructibility of the self and the destructibility of the human body. Upon the absurdity of grieving for perishable beings of this world. Then he speaks on the importance of performing obligatory duties. In one breath, he mentions the supreme reality as well as performance of mundane action. Arjuna feels that these two facets of life conflict. He is therefore confused as to the path he should follow to reach the ultimate perfection, the path of knowledge or the path of action. Arjuna's confusion as to what Krishna could have meant is justified. Krishna's intention in this ostensibly conflicting advice seems to be an effort to awaken Arjuna from his emotional stupor. Arjuna was far too disturbed mentally to receive any advice, much less the deep philosophy of life. Krishna could see this and had to wait to impart this message till Arjuna returned to a reasonable state of emotional equanimity. Moreover, Krishna and Arjuna were intimate friends. In such close relationships, one often fails to recognize the merits of the other. Arjuna never realized Krishna's outstanding brilliance. He treated him only as an old friend and equal. Krishna first had to infuse confidence before Arjuna could accept knowledge from him. He had, therefore, to remove two impediments before passing on any knowledge. Arjuna's terribly confused mental state and the lack of confidence in Krishna as a teacher. Krishna dealt with these two impediments brilliantly by immediately pouring out the subtlest philosophy. 
He did so fully aware that Arjuna was in no condition to receive such profound knowledge. A knowledge meant more to dazzle his intellect than to teach him. This presentation did shock him into awareness of the magnitude and magnificence of the knowledge imparted. Also, sufficient time had elapsed for his emotional recovery. The change in Arjuna can be seen later in the second chapter when he asks Krishna in verse 54 to describe the state of spiritual enlightenment. The question reveals only a partial recovery in Arjuna. Had Arjuna recovered fully, his question would have been simpler and more practical. Recognizing this, Krishna continues the same spiritual therapy by giving another magnificent exposition of transcendental perfection. The end of the second chapter ushers in Arjuna, uh, Arjuna's complete recovery from his neurotic seizure. His question in the first two verses of chapter three substantiates his recovery. He admits his confusion between knowledge and action and demands one clear path by which he can reach perfection. The third chapter marks the true beginning of Krishna's sermon. The development of thought from this point on will be gradual, precise, and methodical. So now Krishna begins his sermon, answers Arjuna's question, and guides him and all of us to perfection. Any questions? Okay, verse three. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Lokes min vivida nishta Pura prokta mayanaga Jnana yogena sankhyanam Karma yogena yoginam Shri Bhagavan Ubacha Lokes min vivida nishta Pura Proctamayanaga Nyana Yogena Sankyanam Karma Yogena Yoginam. The Blessed Lord said, In this world there is a twofold path, as I said before, O Anaga. The path of knowledge for the Sankhyas, contemplative and the path of action for the yogis, active. So we've covered some of this already in the previous verses. Krishna says, there is a twofold path to reach enlightenment. Some of you might say, well, hang on, what about bhakti yoga? And you're right, there is path of devotion which comes later, but Krishna doesn't mention that. Maybe to keep things simple for Arjuna. Poor fellow is already confused. If he says there's also the path of devotion, it might confuse him even more. So he says there's twofold paths. And in one context is correct. Krishna replies, Oh Arjuna, I've given mankind two paths that leads one to spiritual enlightenment. Path of knowledge for the introvert, contemplative person referred to as Sankhyas, and the path of action for the active, extrovert, referred to here as yogis.
Or you can say a person full of actions, always running around, fulfilling desires. He's a yogi. And a person who is a thinker, more thinking than action, is a sankhya, introvert. Now, what's the difference between the two? Anybody can say what the difference is between the two? We already said one's an introvert, extrovert, but what does that mean from a Vedantic perspective? What makes a man a man of action? Arunabhin. Sorry, I don't think I've... Um, I just heard the last bit what you said and it's not what I was thinking. No problem. Anybody? I, I was just going to say one is more inward looking and one is more outward looking. Absolutely. But why? What makes them it's an Because of our vastness and how we are, personality. Absolutely. Between, the difference between the two is that active has more vastness. Why is he more active? More vastness, more desires. And the thinker has relatively less vastness. Shlabin, more vasanas, active, less vasanas, thinker. Let me explain. Throughout life, we are doing three things. Called the three R's. Receipt, reaction, response. Write that down. Three R's. Receipt, reaction, response. Those are the three things we're doing throughout our lives. Using our five senses, we receive stimuli from the world. I see, ears hear, tongue tastes, nose smells, skin touches. And through these five senses, we perceive and take in the world. Is everybody clear with that? When the stimuli is received, there's a reaction inside. There's a reaction inside us with our vasanas, with our personality. And then depending on the reaction, we give out a response to the world. This is what we're doing throughout our lives. Receive, reaction, response. Receive, reaction, response. Simple example I'll give you. You and your friend are walking on the high street. You are a vegetarian. Your friend is not. You go past a butcher shop, for example. You both see the meat in the window. You both receive the stimuli with your eyes. What happens? What happens? Anyone? The one that eats meat would be more attracted to that and the one that doesn't wouldn't even probably pay attention or might not be responsive to that either. Perfect. You being a vegetarian are going to walk past the shop. You have no desire, no vastness to eat meat, no reaction within. It's oblivious to you, you just keep walking. Your friend gets all excited. Oh, look at that lovely lamb chop. 
those steaks look really juicy. Reaction, response. Internally, there's a reaction with their vastness. They may go in and buy some. Then you pass a bakery, you love cakes. You're vegetarian, but you love cakes. What happens? You see the lovely cakes, you receive stimuli. Fresh cream cake, chocolate eclair. Reacts within, there's a reaction, you have a desire. Vastness for cakes, you go in and buy one. Receipt, reaction, response. This is what we're doing in our lives throughout our life, all the time. Last night was the FA Cup final. Those who have a vastness for football would have an internal reaction. Hey, FA Cup final, FA Cup final. They'd not miss the match. They'd get their friends over, go to the bar, watch the game. Person with no vastness for football, you tell them FA Cup final, they'll say, so what? No reaction, no response. Is everyone with me? Three R's, remember. So the more desires, the more reactions, the more active. More desires, more reaction inside, you're more active. Less desires, less reaction, less active. Simple as that. Any questions on that? Yeah, well, make sense? This is how we function. Yeah, Kevin. Well. I was just going to comment. It's it's a bit weird, right? Because in today's society, in the modern world, you, you are told that you are, like, it's known that if you are extroverted, you, like, sort of succeed. And introverted people don't succeed in the modern world, right? But it's actually the opposite. <laughs> Depends where you want to succeed. For, for us now, yeah. it depends where we want to succeed. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> in the world, then yes. But to reach the goal of life, then you need to become introvert. Any other question? Is it, is it clear? It's important that now, we, we're, now we're learning like in school. Yeah. So we have to, everything's been spoon-fed. We need to understand it before we carry on. So anytime we don't be scared to ask questions. If you're not sure, just say it because every other people may be feeling, may be in the same boat. So if you have more desires, you're going to be more active. And for this person, the path of action is given. Karma yoga. See, it's all scientific. Person with less desires is less active. The path of knowledge is given. Jnana yoga. Did you have a question? Yeah, I was just thinking. So, if you are active, you obviously have more desires. And if you follow um, the path of action, you'll reduce those desires. At some point, you'd have to switch over to the path of knowledge, right? How do you know when that point is? Or how do you gauge when, when, when's the right time? You'll automatically um, um, gravitate to that because you're no more. Uh, you know, have no more desires, you're no more active, 
FA Cup final, I'm fed up of football. I don't want to know anymore. Yeah, I'm going to sit and read this book. You know, the desires naturally fall away. Okay. In time. So you basically lose interest in those. You lose interest because something else has taken over the interest. So that's it's basically back to the concept of renunciation. You've, okay. So you automatically gravitate to that if you follow the path of action. Oh, no, no. So I was going to ask that in order to reduce your those desires because they keep arising, an interest will keep arising. Are you also along that alongside using your intellect at each time to say, should do I really need to do this? Or if I watch every game, then you start reducing the number of games because your interest is developing more in a different area, going yeah. inwards. So, see, a person following the path of action is doing it with a little bit of knowledge, of course. He needs to understand that I'm doing, I'm a, I'm a man of action, I've got to perform action. Why? Because I've got too many desires and I need to let, reduce them. He does it with that understanding. And naturally, they will fade away. And also, it, it will teach us how to perform action and not increase our desires. Remember we said in the last, uh, last class or the class before, how to perform action, don't revel in the um, in how good the um, experience was or bad. Remember we said you go to a restaurant, blah, blah, blah. You, and th those sort of things help you to reduce and not increase your vastness. Don't linger in that thought. So Krishna will tell us how to do it anyway as we go along. But it's a good question. And Kevin, you picked up on something which we're covering now. There is actually only one path. But Krishna refers it to it as two paths. Because, as Carol rightly said, if you have a lot of desires, you perform karma yoga, action, you will be on the beginning of the path. Because you have a lot more desires. Eventually, following the path, you'll reduce your desires. You'll stop running around because you have less desires less action, less interest in the world, you will start slowly becoming more introvert, contemplative. You then progress on the path ready to gain knowledge. So the people who are introvert join the path at the latest, later stage. The people who are full of desires, man of action, joins the path at the earlier stage. But there's only one path. As you reduce your desires, you become more introvert. Then you become ready to gain knowledge. I can identify with that myself. Eventually, the knowledge leads to meditation and then to self-realization. Krishna calls Arjuna Anaga, which means sinless. Maybe my, my take on that, maybe to say that he does not commit sin by fighting. Sinless. Go and perform action, fight. You won't be committing any sin. Any questions? So, is that reasonably clear? More desires, more action. 
more active, extrovert. Less desires, more introvert. Studying, reading. Let's go to the pub. No, I don't feel like it. I'm going to read this book at home. Let's go and see a movie. No interest. Introvert. Doesn't uh, interest him or her. Uh, so. <laughs> so, if we're thinking of society, we can't but be active. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can't just become inactive and think that we're going to sit and read and contemplate and be meditating all the time because we have to pay bills and function and we have responsibilities and things so you know in in essence if we're thinking about um being active is it a mindset then is it it's only a mindset so i can be as active as like i hold two jobs at the moment and i'm active but in my mind, I'm reducing my desires. So therefore, I'm on the path, right path of being Yeah, absolutely. Does everyone understand what Sil is saying? What's, this, what's the distinction between what Sil is saying? Any idea? Arunabin? I think it isn't one obligatory duty. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One is your obligatory duty. Yeah, you have to bring the money in so you can pay the bills so that I can contemplate and meditate. <laughs> we all have to do our obligatory duties in life. You know, we're born with certain vasanas and we have to do those. But keeping in the back of your mind, I'm not going to increase my vasanas. This is my goal in life is to reach that level of understanding so I can also reach that goal of self-realization. That's your clear goal while you're doing obligatory duty. So no, you can't give up your duties. You have to follow them and fulfill them. But at the same time, you can learn to reduce them where you can reduce your duties rather than running around everywhere Shilabin, doing this doing that reduce your duties don't increase them obligatory duties means what things you have to do not things you want to do yeah okay any further questions yeah Shilabin. Uh, this is uh, towards Shittal's uh, question as well. I find myself that I don't, with the three hours, I don't react a lot of the times now. And uh, you just acknowledge it. You look at it, you leave it there, and you walk away. And for me, I was a very, uh, I won't say out there person. But now I'll always be in the background. And people, people find that you're becoming a, a bit of a dull person. But it's not that, because you're not judging now. It's, it's a three hours that they receive the reaction, the response. 
uh, not in, you know, you engage, but not engage because you're not, you don't get, uh, you don't overreact to things. So it worked for me personally, it's working brilliantly because it's the mind, you know, the, the mental state of the mind is much calmer. Uh, you know, you, you get angry at home with your partner, but other than that with other people, <laughs> that, that I'm working on, but with other people, you know, you just, you, you think that, okay, that person is not in the right frame of mind, is their vastness, let them do what they want to do. They, it, that everybody's time comes, as yeah. Kevin said, it's the timing. Like I used to, as soon as there's a Sanji night, I'm in the garba, I'm there, I'm you know, jumping. But now I would love to just sit and watch and enjoy. And I still, I think I get double, maybe triple enjoyment just by watching and just listening to the garba. So mm. yes, it's the switch, the time comes. And that comes naturally as you yeah. gain more knowledge. It comes naturally. This is the progress. This is the path as, we, as we're talking here. Yeah. Those desires start fading away. And it happens with the knowledge, by the way. As you gain more knowledge of the Gita or scriptures, it automatically happens when you absorb it. It reacts inside. Sometimes it reacts without even knowing it. That's the beauty of it. It's like a deep operation. And sometimes you're, on, you're sedated. This is how the, the knowledge penetrates. You don't even realize it. I'm serious. This is how it happens. You're unaware of it. I don't know what he said in today's class. Your mind is saying that. But intellect has received it. It's absorbed it. See the difference? The mind it behaves in that way. Ravi. Krishna now answers the question raised by Arjuna in the first two verses. He addresses Arjuna as Anaga, literally meaning sinless. O Anaga, I have given to this world earlier twofold path, leading the human race to spiritual enlightenment. The path of action for the active and the path of knowledge for the contemplative. The word Nista, path, is singular. It indicates that the spiritual path is one. Twofold refers to the earlier and the latter segments of the same path. Active people, referred to as yogis, move in the earlier segment. The latter part is tread by the more contemplative, referred to as sankhyas. The people of the world may be broadly classified under two categories the active and the contemplative. The active have many vasanas, desires, while the contemplative have relatively fewer. These two categories arise out of the interaction between one's vasana and the world. The more vasana a person has, the more active he will be. Life consists of three main activities. Receipt of stimuli from the world, reaction to the stimuli within the personality, and response back to the world. Stimuli from the world reach us, reach an individual through the sense organs of perception. 
contact of stimuli with his vastness produces actions, reactions and responses back into the world in the form of actions. When one has very few vastness, the reaction and responses are weak. Consequently, one takes too few actions. This phenomenon is similar to a chemical reaction. A chemical poured into a test tube containing another chemical creates a reaction. If the test tube is empty, no reaction will result. Stimuli reaction, if the test stimuli and vasana react in the same manner as two chemicals. The contemplative, those with few vasanas do not react and respond much, while the active, having many vasanas, do. Consequently, the spiritual program for these two sets of people differs. Spiritual practice for the active must relate to action, while for the contemplative, it must relate, relate to intake of knowledge. An extrovert full of vasanas, following the path of action, karma yogi, sheds his vasanas. With the reduction of vasana, he turns more contemplative. Advancing on the same path, he becomes sufficiently introvert to qualify for the path of knowledge, jnana yoga. The path of knowledge culminates in meditation and realization of the self. Thank you. So there we have it. Krishna's answer to Arjuna's question, which path shall I take? Tell me clearly. So that's topic one of chapter three. Next week we'll begin topic two. An intellectual appeal for action. Krishna appeals to Arjuna to perform his action. Any questions? So think about it. Contemplate on it. If there's any questions, post it. And if there's any questions posted, we'll have a group discussion on Tuesday. Yeah. You all have to start now putting in a bit of effort, thinking. Don't just attend a class and that's it. The more effort you put in now, the more you will develop. So that's uh, what you need to do. Okay, great. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week.